My book of the month for January 2024 is a book I have in my hand right now. It's called Sumo, S-U-M-O, Shut Up and Move On, quite a provocative title. And it's by a guy called Paul McGee. I was at a conference in the UK before Christmas and engaged with the team. Paul was away from the stand at the time, but we got talking and I've invited Paul on the show today to speak to you. And Paul's an interesting guy because he's published 13 books. He works with organizations like Manchester City Football Club, Adidas, Dyson, and so on. And I also want to share with you his background because, as Paul shares, he began as a probation officer in the UK, then went on to manage a team in a beef burger factory, and it's quite an incongruous background for someone who is today a very successful author, speaker, and trainer. And we're going to cover his background, the books he's published, what that's done for his business, how he became a visiting professor at a university in the UK, how he's built up a team, and the kind of work he does helping people in schools. It's an amazing story. This is the Training Business Podcast. And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. This is the Training Business Podcast. It's the weekly show for people like you and me. If you're someone who is currently working as a trainer, a facilitator, a coach, a consultant, you have a, a framework or some kind of IP, you're monetizing that in the form of uh, training or workshops or programs online, offline, this is the place for you. Because every Thursday, we've got people who've done that, are doing it, and want to share their lessons with people like you and me. And this is really why I do the show. I get so much value from having great guests, and I know this provides value to you by sharing their ups and downs and the trips, tricks and tips they've learned over the years. This is uh, one of the first episodes of January 2024, and I think it's a great way to begin the year. Paul, welcome to the show. Mark, it's really good to be with you. We haven't met yet face-to-face, but I came across your books recently, and um, I have two of them here with me. And I wanted to have you on the show because I think your journey has been quite inspirational. Um, To give people a a bit of background about you, you've published 13 books. You've uh, worked with clients such as Dyson, Manchester City Football Club, Adidas, and so on. You're currently a visiting professor at the University of Chester in the UK. Uh, Let's go right back to the beginning because um, that's been a long time coming. You say on your website that you worked as a probation officer in West Yorkshire and then became a manager in a beef burger factory. That's a long way from where you are today. It certainly is. Yeah, my background, um, I've always been fascinated by people and uh, studied a degree at Bradford University that incorporated behavioural and social psychology, but also trained me to work as a probation officer. Um, And I think it's fair to say, after I graduated, I decided 
being a probation officer and trying to get criminals to change their behaviour um, was probably not where I was at. I mean, I didn't drive a car at the time. I'd be walking around some interesting areas of West Yorkshire in Halifax and Bradford, um, being followed by packs of dogs and going into some interesting homes. And, I, you know, bless them all. People need a lot of support. But I thought, I don't think I've got quite the skill set to do a great job. But I was interested in what was then called personnel management. Um, we now call it HR. And um, I was fortunate in that I applied to Unilever, big multinational, and all kinds of different companies, including Birdseye Walls. So I was recruited by them. Um, and I was one of the few graduates they took on that year. Um, and I specialised in what is now called HR. But you know what, Mark, within a within 12 months... I'd lost my job through ill health, became ill with an illness called ME or chronic fatigue syndrome. And um, I, yeah, I lost my job. So I really kind of hit ground zero at that time. So it was starting off well. The probation experience was good. I got my degree. Um, very proud to, to get the uh, opportunity to work with Unilever as one of their graduate management trainees. And 12 months later, I was on invalidity benefit. I was labelled an invalid. I was 24 and I had a walking stick and no prognosis as to whether I'd actually recover or not. That's a hell of a background. And so fast forwarding to today, what things along the way made a difference to help you go from quasi-invalid status to now running a team? You have a vastly successful portfolio of books and you've also attracted some really key clients into your business? I think it's fair to say it, it was, it, this has been over time rather than overnight. So I got to the point in 1991 where I wasn't fully recovered, but I thought I'm going to try and, you know, I tried to get myself a job. I couldn't because no one had hired me because I couldn't pass a medical. So I hired myself, you know, I was talking about, I was amazing at the interview standout candidate. But before then, what was a bit of a game changer for me, Mark, was um, someone lent me a set of cassette tapes, as we as they were then. So this is all before CDs, DVDs, no YouTube, no Amazon, no nothing like that. And it was by a guy called Richard Denny, who's now passed away, but he was a bit of a sales guru. That's right. Yeah. I remember hardly anything from these cassettes apart from one phrase. And it was a paraphrase of a Napoleon Hill, who was an American author. I think he wrote mm. the book, Think and Grow Rich. That's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And within, it, what he said was this, this is the line I remembered. Within every adversity, there is a seed of equal or greater opportunity. And I was listening to that when I was ill with ME, when there were days when I was so weak, I physically couldn't even lift my own heart arms to wash my face or my hair. So my wife had to do it. But I clung on to that. Now, fast forward um, a few years and I'm like, this personal development stuff, self-help, motivation, whatever you want to call it, I really got fired up and very helped by it. So in 1991, I got an opportunity to work on a self-employed basis with Dale Carnegie. So he was the guy that had written the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But they did training courses um, and they had franchise owners throughout the UK. And I was taken along with someone else on a self-employed basis. 
to help promote and deliver their work. So that became the launch for me. But in the midst of that, with no business background, really, um, you know, managing 30 women on the Economy Beef Burger line hadn't set me up really to, you know, to start a business in the middle of a recession when unemployment was at 10%. And interest rates were at 15%. And I'm trying to sell high-priced but very good value um, training by from Dale Carnegie. But, you know, those cassette tapes that I'd listened to between my appointments, they really helped me. And I've developed this idea, which is not unique to me, the actual phraseology, but manage your mental diet, that we've got to be aware of what we feed our mind. And I think, you know, being self-employed, being a freelance trainer, consultant, whatever you, you know your your role is in life, there are times when there are setbacks, and it's, it's so crucial to think: How do I not just you know? I can't always be responsible for my external environment and what's happening in the economy, but I can control what's going on in my internal environment between my ears, and that became a really, really important thing for me: the importance of managing my mental diet. That resonates with me for a number of reasons. Um, the books you've mentioned are fantastic, Think and Grow Rich. Um, and you also mentioned Richard Denny, who I did not know passed away. I read one of his books about yeah. five, six years ago. And he had a very simple way of explaining um, complex subjects. Um, so those are authors. You've become an author. What prompted you to write a book? And I want to ask you then how that's actually helped your brand and business. Sure. I suppose, well, what happened is things evolved, and I'd love to say it was a roaring success with Dale Carnegie. I wasn't. I found it very difficult to sell what was very, um, you know, let's just say high-end training. And um, But I got an opportunity to work with an outplacement company who'd been set up to help people who might be made redundant from British coal. And I got involved in not just helping with CV writing and interview techniques, but working a lot on people's mindsets. But what I realized was important for me, I felt, was, you know, if I'm going to run my own business, what's st- what, how do I stand out from the crowd? And in the early 90s, you know, getting a book deal wasn't easy. Now there's a big self-publishing industry, and I'm not knocking that. But people who say in 2024, I've written a book, it's very different to maybe in the early 90s if you said you'd written a book. And I just thought about these words, author of. How would that help my brand, maybe raise my profile and give me some credibility? So my first two books were actually um, on CV writing. And and there was just that sense of, work, you know, author of. Things developed. Um, I started to get associate work on behalf of other training companies. So for me, it wasn't a case of, you know, I didn't just bang on the door of Virgin Media. Well, there wasn't Virgin Media at the time, but Virgin and and Adidas and go, hey, I'm Paul McGee. But in those early days, I managed to win contracts on behalf with people who'd had their own training company, would win big contracts and then say, we need people to deliver our training. And, And that's how things started to evolve for me. I came across this phrase, someone used it on a course, sumo, shut up and move on. We all liked it. And then three years later, after a lot of marinating in my mind over a number of different things, I I turned it into a book. It became the umbrella term to describe a number of my ideas that I developed and evolved over a period of time. It was rejected by 13 publishers. And some people say, how do you know when to quit? And I talk about it's important not just to have persistence, but to have smart persistence. 
And although 13 publishers rejected the book, uh, and one of them was very, very uh, direct about no one is going to buy a book this time to shut up and move on. I had one or two trusted mentors who were saying, you know, this book could help a lot of people. I think you need to push more doors. And also I'd started to do more speaking and incorporating my sumo philosophy and approach and ideas into my talks. And my audience was saying, call my husband, my partner, my, you know, my kids would love some of the ideas. Have you thought about writing a book? And so I think the persistence came because I still think I was getting feedback from my market and from my mentors that this is worth trying to push more doors. One door eventually opened. And, you know, Mark, I want to be brutally honest here. You know, yes, it's about hard work. It's about talent. It's about smart persistence. But maybe luck does play a little bit of a, a, a part in people's success. And I did feel fortunate that someone who I've no idea who they were at WH Smith's said, this book looks good. I think we'll make it business book of the month and make it available in airports and railway stations, not just in the UK, but wherever WH Smith's had a, an outlet around the world. And the thing is, it wasn't a business book. It was a personal development book, but it, it was launched, had it, you know, it had that kind of, um, that opportunity in a sense because of what smiths did to have its profile very much in people's faces became a real springboard for the book and different things happened people read it people in australia read it i got invited to speak at a conference where i spoke with stephen covey the author of seven habits of highly effective people and someone who was working for the police at the time heard me speak bought the book for her brother um, and it just so happened that a brother went on to work with Manchester City as head of player care and support. And as a result of that, became this big sumo fan and went, we're brilliant at helping our players to recover from injury and think about tactics and fitness. I think we need a bit more help with the psychological help. And that wouldn't be maybe just for the players, but from some of our staff as well. So I was brought into work with Manchester City in 2010. And for five years, I was on a monthly retainer. They set up their own psychology department. They said, we don't need you anymore. I said, good, it's fine. It's been a great journey. But because I'd established such a reputation and trust with a lot of people, people still kept bringing me in to do work on a more ad hoc basis. So the book it is about smart persistence. I think luck can come into it. And I'd also, you know, I'm not saying to write a book and it become a bestseller. Sumo did. It became a Sunday Times bestseller. But, it, you know, it's my journey. This is my experience. I don't want to say, therefore, if other people repeat what I've done, they'll have the same outcome. I did feel a degree of fortune. But maybe I am also testimony that you don't always know when you put stuff out there, when you sow seeds, what you might reap. When I wrote that book, and I literally wrote it by hand on, on, on paper and got someone to type it up, I was writing that in 2004 on my kitchen table. And, um, you know, 18, well, tw 22, sorry, well, it'd be out 18 years, 18 and a half years at the moment. It came out in 2005. But when I wrote it in 2004, um, I had no idea it would help me develop Sumo for Schools, get me to work with Manchester City, Stephen Covey. And also it's now been translated into 13 different languages, including um, Ukrainian being the latest one. So, 
you just don't always know. Yes, it's good to have a strategy, but I've been one who's had a compass at times. I've thought more about the direction I want to go to, and sometimes doors have opened that I wasn't even pushing. That's an extraordinary story. <laughs> and the WH Smith, um, that that uh, that bookstore, which is everywhere in Europe, for people listening, not in Europe, it's something you'll find in an airport, um, train stations. It's, it's a brand which is ubiquitous. So it sounds like just that one thing or a couple of these coincidences led to breakthroughs, but without the persistence behind Absolutely. that, yeah. you wouldn't have got, which I think is why someone said to me, luck stands for laboring under correct knowledge, <laughs> which yes. I quite like. And, and you're right. You've got to, you've got, you can't have one without the other. It's, mm. um, you know, you've got to put yourself out there. And I've had rejections and setbacks and, uh, you know, as part of it, but of the, of the journey, but um yeah, the more you sow, the more likely you are to reap if you sow wisely. So you're known as the sumo guy, which is, of course, great um, in, in a sense of retention of message. Yeah. And your book is very powerful. It's red. I have it in my hand. It's the anniversary 10th edition. Yeah. It uh, has a very striking cartoon of a sumo wrestler on yeah. a unicycle and... In brackets, you've got shut up, move on, registered trademark. So that's a registered trademark you have. That's right, yeah. And and part of the reason for, it's interesting because if you look at, I am conscious and I'm aware that some people hear that phrase, sumo, shut up, move on, and it, mm. it's got its upside and its downside. Its upside is it's sticky, it's memorable, it's provocative. Exactly. Its downside is, um, well, it's too aggressive. And, you know, really? people have got some real challenges. And you tell them to shut up and move on isn't quite, you know, what people need to hear. And if people read the book, they know that there's a bit more to it than I'm not actually saying just shut up, move on, but the sh shut up, get off autopilot, stop, think, reflect. But I had an illustrator and I said, I want to do a kind of logo related to my brand, but the logo almost needs to counter the phrase. And so if, if the phrase can be seen as hard hitting and maybe even a touch aggressive, how, how about something fun and quirky and different? So I have a sumo wrestler on a unicycle. And again, it is kind of sticky and memorable. And also, just so you're aware, and again, for your listeners, you've got to be prepared to adapt and be flexible. So we do have an alternative definition to sumo as an acronym, and that is stop, understand, move on. And and so we kind of sometimes promote both at times. And some clients go, no, I prefer stop, understand, move on. Uh, I wrote a book for kids. And and that when in, in the book for children, we talk about stop, understand, move on. So it's having that ability with your brand to adapt, not be too precious and become more flexible in terms of how the market is. And the book it does that. I mean, shut up, move on sounds aggressive. There is, of course, a school of thought that suggests that what you want to do when selling a book is to provoke people, and that that does it in a way. But yes. it's def it's it's almost um, it's it's made easier or, or less striking, or rather more digestible by the fact that you have a smiling sumo wrestler on a cycle. So, yeah. if something, if I walk past books in a bookstore, this is going to capture my attention. It's got that anniversary seal of tenth. Edition, yeah. which suggests longevity. Um, it says international bestseller, which suggests reach. It's sumo, which it's in itself as an acronym is going to make me go, what is that for? And, yeah. and shut up, move on. So as a cover, it's, I think it's one of the best book covers I've ever seen. It's, uh, 
it's definitely my book of the month in, in January 24. <laughs> it's, a, it's extraordinarily powerful. And what's interesting is that you've managed quite um, agilely in an agile sense to make this reach beyond the corporate market to, you mentioned, you know, people giving it to their spouses, partners, friends, but also you now work with schools. What made you decide to develop a brand that, that reaches people in, uh, in school, in the school system? You know, my, my childhood was, was not an easy one for father figures by the age of nine and you run away from home at the age of 10. Um, and I suppose I always, and what I learned when I got into personal development is how much I need to unlearn in terms of how I'd been brought up, the beliefs I'd gained, the anxieties I had. You know, my my thirst and hunger for personal development wasn't because I want to write books and talk about it. My, my initial thirst was driven by, I need some help here. And so I think as time went on, I began to think, you know, at school, we learned about the Battle of Hell. Hastings in 1066, but we didn't learn at the time about how to deal with our own personal conflicts and, you know, and relationships and what's going on inside your head. Not blaming the schools are far more open to that. But I just thought when I was writing the book, you know, if someone could help me make it turn this into sumo for schools where kids could get access to some of these ideas as well, then that would, you know, that that would be, a, you know, that would be a real benefit, I think, for, for people. And that's become a, a space that is both competitive and, and also there's a lot more happening in that space now. I'm still dipping my toes in it because I have to also be realistic about what my capacity and capabilities are. So I do a lot actually speaking with me and, my, and a couple of my associates in schools, working a lot with the staff. And we often get them, we have one or two of my team will help the staff then to share the sumo ideas with the children. It's rare at all that I will actually be going into a school very often myself and work specifically with the children. I just have to acknowledge what my skill set is, where my experience is and, and play to my strengths. So I think having the yes book, which called Yes, the Sumo Secrets of Being a Positive, Confident Teenager, probably relevant from children from the age of nine to 12, 13, became also a way of going, you know, I don't even have to even run this as a business. This book people can get. It's very affordable. And yet a lot of my ideas are contained within it in a really fun, engaging and very colourful way. And, and kids can be helped like that. So that's how it all evolved. And that's kind of like what, you know, a, a hand on heart, you go, so have you, would you say from a profit point of view, you've made a lot of money from Sumo for Schools in terms of the stuff with kids? Absolutely not. Do you feel you've made a difference? Absolutely. And, and that's what's really important to me. You're also a visiting professor at the University of Chester in the UK. Is that something that you... Uh, applied for? Is that something that you were given unexpectedly? And, and secondly, what has that done for you and your credibility? Okay, great questions. Um, it came unexpectedly. I, I, and this isn't meant as false modesty. I, I don't think I'm the sharpest knife in the drawer. I, I love personal development and I love trying to simplify things for my benefit. And then it just seems it benefits other people. But I would, I'm just not really like my brother is an academic and I'm not. So professorship, not on my radar. I get approached by someone who works for the university 
and says, look, I know you're based not a million miles away from where we are in the northwest of England. Um, and I've been a big fan of your work. My husband's used you at his, his business. And we're actually looking for someone who we'd like to give that title to who has been able to take the complex at times ideas within academia around psychology and actually make them accessible for people of any age or background. And so I had to sort of, yeah, I did have to fill a form in, well, what is your background, et cetera, et cetera, and what have you achieved? But it was actually the, the catalyst was someone else. And again, Mark, I think people think, so if I write, if I do this and achieve that, it's going to open all these doors. I would be, I'd have mixed opinions about this professor title. I think in some circles, it does give me some credibility. I think there might be other people who have not come across me before and they go, oh, he's a professor. He's going to be dry. He's going to be academic. Um, we want someone who's fun and inspiring and engaging for our conference. So I've got to be aware of that. So I think it's a double-edged sword. I wouldn't like to say it black and white, but I think there might be certain parts of the world. You know, I spoke, um, did a, an event yesterday for the World Education Summit where I'm at a pre-record for an event happening in March. And I think they enjoyed the fact that I am a professor and it's and it's to a global audience. And I think some people around the world may attach greater credibility to it. But most of my clients, I, I don't actually think they're that bothered. They're more bothered about, can you engage our staff and can you equip them and encourage them to deal with all the life's challenges we've got, both in work and outside of work. I think that's more important to many people. There's so much more I want to talk about. I'm conscious of your time as well. Um, you currently have a team, and uh, I want to ask you about that briefly as well. You've eight people on the team. You've also got someone um, or a couple of people specifically focused on um, Sumo for Schools. But what was the advantage to you as a business owner in building a team, and how has that helped you briefly? Some of my team are full-time, but a number of them, the majority of them, are like on an associate basis. Mm -hmm. And I've just realized, I talked about this you know, capability and capacity. I, I cannot be in more than one place at a time. So one, I've developed a lot on the social media side. And I've got two guys who I've been working with now for probably nearly two years who've helped me a lot on that. And again, they're good at things I'm not good at. I'm not good at editing videos. I don't have my time taken up with that. Some of the people involved in Summer for Schools, their background's education. They do stuff with kids. So that's been great. And while I'm talking to you, one of my team is delivering an event in, in the southeast of England today. And I think what the benefit of that has been, as I'm on this planet, this is my 60th year on the planet, I think, do I want to be trekking down to the southeast of England you know, in early January to deliver this event. Um, I, I want to be a little bit more choosy. In, in those early days of my business, I said yes to absolutely everything. But I do want to think about my own mental and emotional well-being. I want to, you know, go far and go long still. I mean, I'm 60, but I don't have any exit strategy and plan at the moment. And so having my team Obviously, it's good for them because I win the business. They use my material. But whilst I'm talking to you, I'm earning some income today. But so is my team member who worked with me, Katrina and Ed, especially. I've worked with me for over 10 years. Trust them with my life and trust them with my brand. 
And so there's been a lot of benefits to that. What a story. Absolutely inspirational. Paul, where can people find out more about you? Anything that, that, if you just put the sumo guy anywhere, if you're on Instagram, you'll find me at the sumo guy. If you're on Twitter stroke X at the sumo guy, TikTok at the sumo guy. And guess what? My website is called uh, the sumo guy. So if you put the sumo guy, you're going to stumble across me. So that's the sumo guy.com for people listening. Yes. And I'll provide all links and books mentioned in today's show over on trainingbusiness.com when the episode comes out. Paul, thank you so much for being my guest on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure, Mark. Thank you. My sincere thanks to Paul for being my guest today on the show. And you can find out more about Paul by picking up one of his books. I've got two here, Sumo, Shut Up and Move On, or How to Have a Great Life, 35 Surprisingly Simple Ways to Success. And he also has two books, which I'm going to read next, How to Succeed with People and a book on self-confidence. And you can visit Paul's website by visiting thesumoguy.com. All links will be made available to you over on the episode page for this week's episode. That's www.trainingbusiness.com. As always, you can drop me a line, mark at trainingbusiness.com. If you've any questions or suggestions, otherwise, I look forward to your company next Thursday here on the Training Business Podcast. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.